Welcome to Twinning It, the podcast that delves into the nitty gritty of parenting twins. I'm Alison Perry, author of OMG It's Twins and mum of preschooler girl twins. And I'm Jenna Good, journalist and mum of toddler boy girl twins. We know what a challenge it can be to raise twins. So join us as we speak to experts and other twin mums to get answers to all of those burning questions. Welcome back to another episode of Twinning It. Today, we are speaking to Daisy Upton, aka Five Minute Mum, about entertaining twins. She has had three best-selling books about how to play with your kids, a brilliant Instagram account and a website all tailored towards helping us keep them busy. Think small effort for big impact and learning play. And you've got the magic equation that Five Minute Mum is loved for. This is such a biggie for twin parents. How do you keep them both entertained at the same time and do it without the dreaded competition and fights over toys? And do you need twice the amount of toys for twins? So many questions. Welcome, Daisy. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so nice to have you on, Daisy. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. I've just got the uh, the thoughts of Christmas looming. So I'm trying to sort of think about getting organised as we do every year. Um, but apart from that, everything is dandy. Thanks. It's a nightmare. Is it? So we're recording this sort of um, towards the end of November. And yeah, I do feel like it's just all starting to kick off Christmas wise, isn't it? Yeah, you suddenly get that people saying oh I've done a wife shopping and you're like what I haven't even started yet I hate those people I'm so sorry if anyone listening is that person but people who like start their Christmas shopping in like the summer and has have everything wrapped by October I'm like oh how do you do it one of my friends yesterday was like oh I've completed the kids stockings I was like what <laughs> god this is spiking fear into my heart like, don't worry I'm with you do you know what my problem is? I feel like if I I'm not I'm not organized enough. So in the years where I have done things early, I then forget about what I bought and I end up buying more and then I end up with far too much stuff. <laughs> and it's all just like it doesn't actually solve the problem. I feel like you have to be super you do, nice yeah. to do it. Yeah, early. like you say, because you have to hide it. So then you're just like, Where where was that? Where should I put that? Like I bought Christmas cards one year for my husband. Uh, I couldn't find them anywhere. He never got them. I don't. Even, I never found them. <laughs> Can I just tell you? Actually, I do have a really good tip, and this is like this is my level of organisation, and I'm so I'm so smug and proud of the fact that I've done this for the last few years. I've got a note on my phone, like on my notes app, and it's basically a Christmas admin. And I write in January. I write a note to my November self, and so I'm like, Alison. You've got three packs of Christmas cards that you bought from WH Smith. You don't need to buy any more. And they're in the spare room behind the door in that box. <laughs> and the same with wrapping paper and the same with like just all of that stuff. I'm like, I'll, and I'm like, this works for me. Like writing my future self notes about Christmas stuff. That's that's my level of organization. Love that. It sounds like you're being your own best friend. Yes. Someone's got to be my yeah. best friend, Jenna. <laughs> I love that. So anyway, Daisy, sorry, we've digressed massively. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and Five Minute Mum for anyone who isn't aware of your geniusness. <laughs> so uh, I have known as Five Minute Mum because five and a half years ago, I started um, a little blog where I was just sharing ideas for play and activities and little hacks and stuff that you could do at home um that 
about five minutes or less, basically. I don't want anything that's going to take me longer than that because as a tired mom with two toddlers at the time and I was a stay-at-home parent, I couldn't have the brain power or the energy to do anything that took either longer than five minutes to set up or needed to be played for longer than five minutes or five minutes to put away was my main thing. I needed to be quick put away. And and the reason that I had these ideas and and the reason that I was so keen to share them was because my background was in um, teaching. So I was a teaching assistant uh, for a few years before that, working specifically mostly one-on-one with children who found the mainstream uh, lessons difficult or challenging in particular reasons sometimes special educational needs sometimes other reasons and so I would take them out of the classroom and I'd be given off them 10 minutes or five minutes to do something with them to help them grasp whatever we've been learning so my background was a bit in child development and that kind of thing and then when I was at home with my toddlers I thought uh okay so I have all this knowledge and information I should probably be doing some stuff with my own kids really <laughs> and um but I, like, I don't have a classroom, I don't have resources, so what am I going to do? And it was like, right, well, I've got a, a spatula and some blue tacks, so right, come up with something, that like, entertain the kids, and, and that's what I started doing. And then, yeah, I, I wrote a few of them down, thinking my friends, be helpful for my friends who were asking me, like, what are you doing as an ex-teacher about this, that, and the other, learning their name, learning how to count, learning their shapes, learning their colours. Uh, so I, yeah, started writing it, and then once I got going into the writing, that was a passion of mine from the past and I just really enjoyed it. So I kept going and then it got bigger and bigger and then 2020 happened and the day lockdown, the, the day that they closed the schools, basically I went from being a relatively happy blogger toddling along with my first book just come out to suddenly everybody's best friend. <laughs> Everyone was <laughs> like, Daisy, help us. <laughs> we need help with our children. Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of my positive history, really. Amazing. Yeah, I think Alison, you were felt really helped by um, Daisy's ideas, didn't you, through lockdown? Because your children were that kind of age. Yeah, get really, really helped. But also, I've got this such such a strong memory of it wasn't during lockdown. I think I feel like it was. I feel like in my head it was March last year, but surely there wasn't still COVID things happening March last year. But we all had COVID, and um, like everyone in my family had it. All five of us. And your book, On the Go, had just come out, Daisy. And we had a copy of it. And it was an absolute godsend. So there was things like the stepping stone game and find the keys. Because basically all I could do was lie on the sofa, like, oh. And my little ones, who I think they were like maybe three at the time, had COVID, testing positive, but like still bouncing off the walls and like no symptoms. Yeah. So we were just like in the worst possible situation. And I just needed to lie on the sofa and create some kind of game that they could feel like they were having fun, but it was like zero energy or effort for me. And so there were so many things that we pulled out of that book. I was like, you're saving my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always love to know as well. Is that is like, I want to say to people, like, I think sometimes there's lots of things online with people setting up activities and things for kids and often I personally and I know others feel really daunted because you see them and you think oh my god I no, don't want to do that with my children yeah um and I really hope that when people see mine they're like oh is that here oh okay yeah I could do that I can do that like I I've got some paper and a pen and some scissors I can do that one so that's what I always hope it is just that that straightforward and yeah just really even I will be like I could be bothered yeah yeah no definitely and um you mentioned that you had two toddlers um, so like us twin parents, you've also experienced having children of a similar age. Is there a particular skill to 
um, entertaining two children at one time. <laughs> we need to yeah. know about. <laughs> how do we do that? Claim <laughs> <Playing> yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do we make another one of us? I mean, I bowed out to you because I had, like, the age gap between mine is 23 months. And, um, you know, and that was hard enough. <laughs> I can't imagine if they were both at the same stages at the same time and, and, and dealing with that at the same time. It, the challenges must be, you know, double, if not more. Mm. And I think that um, the thing that the thing that is closest to it was having two toddlers. Because, like, so when I started writing the blog, was that I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So, you know, it's chaos. They're just, yeah. <laughs> it's like living with drunken people. Exactly. Very strong emotions yeah. and opinions about things. And you're trying to get yourself and them through the day. Yeah. And so my... I've written a couple of blog posts about playing together and sibling play and that, and this kind of thing. And it kind of starts from that initial, you know, there's another person in the room for some people that maybe have another baby come into the equation and then goes into like the toddler stage and then, and then beyond. And I think one of the best things that I can say about play is, and what I did loads with my little ones was the kind of games where you are, um it's you against you against them so you're getting them to team up so quite often i would do like um you know uh an activity that was me versus you so say for example i've got five uh balls it could if you don't have five balls screw up it's a foil and you've got five balls and there's a bucket on the other side of the room each or a bowl or a pot washing basket whatever you want and we're going to take and we're going to sprint with a ball, one ball at a time, put it in the bucket, sprint back, put another ball in the bucket. First one to get all their balls in the bucket wins. <laughs> and now you can do that in multiple ways. So you can have, everybody has their own balls and buckets, or you can have your two kids have a ball and bucket and they're against mummy, so they're taking you on. Or, you know, you can do it, you gang up with one of the children if they're, if they're particularly worried or scared and you go against the other child. So you can do that multiple ways based on what's best for your family. And that was one I used to do a lot. So you can do this with loads and loads of different types of games. You could do it in the park, out and about, you know, first one to go and get something and bring it back. You can do it in your garden if you've got garden space. You know, I would do sometimes do like an egg and spoon race, like same sort of thing, you know, tin foil screwed up on a spoon, do a race to a finish line and back. Those kind of activities mean that A, everyone gets a turn. So you get that turn taking that's a natural part of the game and it goes in the same order, same time. And you can control a little bit who wins and who and who doesn't. So for me, it was a case of I've got Florence who's younger, so I would often team up with her to support her so that we could challenge you. And so he was winning and losing and experiencing both. Mm. Or sometimes if it's them against me, I would make sure that, you know, sometimes I tried a little less hard yeah. so they won and could celebrate together and feel that victory as a little team. And I would demonstrate then and model for them what it's like to lose and say, oh, I lost. I'm so disappointed. You know, shake their little hands, give them high five. Say, well done, well played. That was close. Let's let's play again. And I think that that's the first kind of a really nice baseline for getting kids into play and activities and understanding those feelings of winning and losing and how we can, you know, come up with little games with very little items. I'm talking here, a ball, a spoon, a washing basket, you know, stuff that we already have at home mm. and just giving it a little five minute game. 
And if somebody does get upset and kicks off and screams and throws the basket or whatever, then it doesn't matter. You haven't got a big cleanup. You just go, okay, we don't, we're not going to play that for now. We're going to pick the telly on for a bit and have a calm down. It doesn't matter. You've had a try. That's the main thing. You've, you have actually given them something and you've put ideas in their head and you have actually achieved something, even though it doesn't sometimes feel like it when a child, you know, gets upset uh, just by giving it a go. And you've created that baseline and then you try again in a couple of days and you try something else and you try and you keep going. And my, with my children now, we've got to a point where they come up with their own games and they ask me to play them and they set the chips off the old block. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they set the rules and the challenges and they understand how it works. Like we went to the beach um, a couple of months ago and it was nice warm weather. I remember those days. And my son came up with a beach golf and he dug a massive hole and he had a beach ball or a football and he put it in different places on the beach and you had to see how many kicks it took to get it in the big giant hole and it was like everybody had to get involved he got my dad involved and it was called it beach golf and so they get to the point eventually where they start to do this kind of thing for themselves and that's what you always hope when you're setting up this kind of play that's so brilliant um, and obviously you've got a boy and a girl. Jenna's got boy-girl twins. But what I love about the kind of games that you have in all you know your books and your website is that it's not, it doesn't seem like gender specific. It's not like you're, you're saying these are great games for boys. And so much about play is gendered, you know, and, and as parents, we're kind of conditioned to think about, well, this is a boy's toy and this is a girl's toy. Um, but is that quite important for you, Daisy, to be creating play that is for all children? For all children. And this is what I'm I'm really, really passionate about is that if someone says to me, what should I play with my child? The first thing I say is, what do they love to do? So I'm not interested in telling you about what I think you should play with your child based on their age or their gender or their level or ability. That's, that is of no consequence whatsoever. You should be led by your child whatever they love so if you've got a little girl whose favorite thing to do is splash in wellies and create something muddy and then play with trains then that's the game I would find for them to do that's what they love and exactly the same people say to me sometimes oh I've got a child who's autistic and I'll say I don't I don't need to know what your child anything your child is diagnosed with tell me what they love what do they want to do and then we'll find a game based on that and that's what's most important for me is that I just want to feel that every time somebody comes to my website or comes to my books that they will find something in there that their child really enjoys because I've covered kind of everything my kids enjoyed over the span of their lifetime and kids that I know as well and friends and family and that's why my third book I involved friends and family and got involved with other children and so that I there was a game for everybody that that could be you know diggers sand water play blowing play so I did a games for children with cystic fibrosis you have physio they have to blow through straws and things like that so there's loads of games that you know there's all kinds of different play and yeah there's no there's no step this is for this this type of child because anything can be for anybody I think that's why I find um the whole sort of play and entertaining my twins quite um terrorizing because they like very different things so it's like I've got to be in two places at once like my daughter loves anything crafty or like painting drawing play-doh um you know dollies um and then my son just wants to play with cars and building things so I almost feel like I have to set up two lots of 
uh, different things for them. But actually what you've just said about the, you know, they will both love those games that you mentioned. Um, but do you think it's a good idea as well to set up for twins, like two separate areas? Definitely. So my next piece of advice is um, is my two trays. <laughs> so when I first started sharing, there was this massive trend of like, here's a big tough tray, so this big black, you know, squarish, squoval sort of shape trays. Let's set up a beautiful setup for the child to play with. Now, that's all well and good if you've got one child at home and also you've got the time and energy to clean up a tough tray. I don't know. No interest. <laughs> and I used them at school and I thought they were brilliant, but I was not having one of those in my house. I'm not storing it. I'm not cleaning it. End of. Yeah. And I once actually put on social media about them and people sent me these sad photos of abandoned tough trays in gardens. <laughs> <and> like... <laughs> And it was one of my favourite things I ever did because I was like, it was just all these really sad motions. I'm in the back of a shed. That's hilarious. And I just think, because they're not really very practical. So what I have for my children, and I have had forever, is an Ikea tray. I think it's called a skewer, something like that. Um, And they have one each. They still have them today. I've had them since they were tiny. And they are sort of like just perfect tray size and they've got high edges so you can put sand on them, you can put Play-Doh on them and it kind of contains it slightly. And quite often what I would do with my two, because like you say, they're interested in different things, is I would have two setups next to each other. So for my son, I would have the kinetic sand out with his diggers and cars and something to create rose blocks put in it or something like that because that was his jam, Mm -hmm. that's what he was into. And for Florence... I would have the small world, like Happy Land people. And then we would have like, you know, some crafty buttons and bows and glittery, like um, we had these little crafty box of bows and things. And she would have that in her sand. So you're having the same basis set up, but they're playing in totally different ways. And I would sit myself, because the trays are small then, I could sit at the table, kitchen table between them and sit either side and I'd be doing all the things that we want to do as parents talking to them engaging in their play oh Florence where's she going she's going to the shops to buy some buttons off she goes and then watch her play for a bit and then turn to you and then be like bam the trucks crushing down the bread (laughs) and he'd be like you know crushing it all that was just what they were into um and then I'm sitting in the middle and I can just do that toing and throwing and then perhaps move myself away once they're engaged and happy in their play and go and flick the kettle on and, and that was tend to be how I set it up. There were quite a lot of things they would enjoy together, but they would play with them differently. So I would do the same thing on the trays and I'd give them both a pair of scissors and some old flowers or leaves from the garden. And, you know, Florence would create a pretty picture out of them and Ewan would cut them all into a million pieces and scatter them everywhere. That same thing, playing differently. They have different wants, needs from the play. Um, but yeah, you can absolutely set up two set. And then if they are in different spaces, I quite often would create a corner in the house that's like that's going to be i'll set up a new role player estate put out a tea towel a few ice creams that's an ice cream shop over there for anyone that wants to engage with that and then over this corner there is um some leaves out the garden and all the dinosaurs plonked on that tray separate rooms separate areas you can you can put it on the stairs you can put it in the bathroom you don't have to play in the same places put it by the front door on the mat it looks different and unusual set them up in different places and then you can kind of give them their own space as well but keep it on these little trays because to me to my children that was like a signifier of an invitation to play something's on the tray brilliant that's my cute yeah to play. that's an amazing tip i'm 100 yeah. percent gonna go and buy 
two of these trays later today. Well, Daisy, have you got, um, Daisy, haven't you got like an Amazon shop where like loads of stuff that you recommend yes, is they're on there. there? So okay, just to, just, I, just to save you, Jenna, from searching and searching and trying to work. Yeah, out what, yeah. What was what kind of tray was it? Daisy meant um, my exact one. Yes, the exact <laughs> one. Um, Daisy, do you know when you're like you know you read a book or like you listen to a podcast and you hear an expert or somebody talking about something and something really lodges in your head and you remember it from like for years to come I feel like that's how that's how I feel about your golden rule so I want you to share your golden rule because I think of it at least once a week and I feel like you need to share it with with our listeners and Jenna so I'm not sure Jenna knows about your golden rule yeah give me give me it <laughs> yeah sure so with all the lead games that I've mentioned the balls the buckets the sand setups everything there's one thing that I always did and continue to do to this day and it is I say nothing I set it up when they're busy doing other things either playing with something else or watching the telly or a tablet or something or snapping when they were toddlers or I then set up the play so it should only take five minutes or less and I leave it somewhere for them to find and I say absolutely nothing because if we say to our children oh should we go and play some sand now I just one of two things tends to happen to me. One, they say no. <laughs> you think? Yeah. That was what I was going to do with you for this afternoon. It's raining outside. Yeah. Oh, two, um, they say yes. And then they're at you while you're trying to get all the sand out and sort it out. And they're like, what are you doing? Where can I have that? Can I get that as well? Can I get the Play-Doh as well? Can I, and I'm doing this at you. So the best golden rule that I follow is, you, and this is, I learned this from working in early years classrooms, is, um, they have choosing time where everything's set up and then the kids just choose what they want to play with. So I create the same at home. I set up little corners, little activities, and then they choose and they come to it and decide when to play. If they have that autonomy, then they tend to A, engage in the play quicker, want to play for longer, feel like it was their idea. Mm-hmm. I found this, so I'm gonna play and I'm gonna play with it. Whereas if we're telling them to do it, it's not it's not their choice. They don't feel like it's their choice. And that golden rule has carried me right through to now. My my son's nine and a half and I do it with homework. I put the homework off, I leave it on the kitchen table. It's there all week. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't, don't. It's there in front of you. Chances are, while he's eating his cereal, sometimes he'll do a couple of bits of his homework and then it gets done over the course of the week. Whereas if I said to him, tonight we're going to sit down and do your homework, I don't think it would get That's done. genius. Because my twins have just started school and so we're just getting into that thing where they've got homework, they've got phonics sounds they've got reading books they've got maths and they are they are really keen to do it bless them they love it but i'm going to log that and remember that the golden rule also applies to homework it's not just to play Uh just to have it out it's so brilliant just have it out just and then if that if you can link it to a game you know if the homework is counting and you can get some cheerios in a bowl and do it with the cheerios as counts then Again, you just leave a bowl of Cheerios next to the homework and all of a sudden it looks so much more enticing to them and then sitting down. So that's, yeah, similar sort of thing. Amazing. And um, what would you say has been your kind of most popular play suggestion from your Instagram page? Which one of people most loved? Um, There's a few like standout ones that people come back to time and time again. Um, Everybody loves Spider's Web because that's just so straightforward it's just pen and paper and you just write the numbers one to ten all over 
and you see if they can connect it up by making crazy lines. Oh, that's a good idea. The kids love doing love that. To do that later on. With my... They love to do that. Yeah. So you just, you just sit, I just, again, golden rule. So what I would do is I'd sit on the sofa with a pad and pen and I would just sit and draw the numbers one to 10. And often they'd come and sit near you because the second you put your bum down, they want to be where you are. Yeah, it'll get you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you doing, mummy? Yeah, I was like, you. Riff. just playing a game. And then they go, oh, I, can I play? Oh, yeah, sure. Can you can you find the one on this page? Then they find the one and you give them the pen and say, oh, I wonder if you can join the one and the two together. And off they go. And then all of a sudden you've got their attention and they're doing maths without any effort at all. And you can do it backwards, 10 to 1. You can do numbers 11 to 20. I started doing that once they got the hang of 1 to 10. You can do times tables, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. You can do anything with pen and paper, and it's a little game, and it's uh, we call it spiders web because you you do it as crisscrossy as you can, so it makes like a little bit, and then so uh, we'd often draw a little spider at the end. Um, and I did that zillion. I mean, lockdown, there was just millions of people sending me their pages oh. of them doing spiders web. That's always really popular, and then the code breaker game is always really popular as well, which is where it sounds more complicated, but it is quite straightforward, and it's like you you trap a teddy under a container. They're not actually tracking, but the child thinks that they're trapped. And you put three blobs of Play-Doh on the top of it and you push three keys into the Play-Doh so it creates like an imprint. And then you hide those keys around the room and they have to find the keys, answer a question, and then they can put the key in the imprint. And that's like unlock, unlocking one, find another key, answer another question, then they can put the second key and third key in. And then you can change those questions to whatever you want. So you could do an addition question, you could do a a number question you could do a, a spellings question you could do a letters question whatever you wanted and then once you've got all three keys it unlocks the teddy and that one has captured loads of imagination of children and i think i often used to as well put like their snack in it sometimes with like snack time but you can't have it because it's trapped <laughs> you know then you play you have the snack and you can switch the telly on totally guilt-free thinking yep done my bit that's amazing something we've played again i can imagine that's that could take them quite a while to, to to do that as well that would must kill like half an hour <laughs> yeah you can do but you cannot you can lose your keys though i'm just warning you all oh, right yeah <laughs> okay they get old keys. yeah like you know um, I always think that, you know, we were all children once and not so long ago, obviously, in some of our cases, like us us three are all like so young. Um, but it could be like tricky for us to work out how to entertain our children. And it's so easy just to reach with a TV remote or the tablet. You know, why why is that? Why do you think that it is such a challenge for us to entertain our kids? We need, you know, experts like you to help us. Because we're not told this stuff. And I think this is what I always find fascinating is that we have all of these um, antenatal classes to teach us how to look after our babies, which is great. And we're told like really carefully like how to bathe them, how to change them, how to feed them, what birth's going to be like. We, we talk endlessly. I mean, as twin mums especially, you must have had this a lot, talking about your birth plan, what you might do, your options. And it's like 24, 48 hours of your life. And yet the this child development one to five now they've discovered how important it is and crucial it is and yet there's no guidance no support no classes and so we're not taught how to do this like we we don't know and unless you have worked in child development or in teaching or as a nursery practitioner 
before, then you don't know the child development stages and what they're expected to do until you get that two year check. And then you're like, oh my goodness, like what have I failed if I don't get one of these right? Or, you know, my child doesn't know how to do this. And and it's really daunting. And I think, so that, that's one factor. And I think the second factor is that sometimes playing with your kids can be really boring. Like as an, I, you're an adult, like the amount of times I wanted to go, I've got a degree and like my kids are climbing on my face. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing in my life? Um, and, you know, it can be really boring. Yeah, boring, but also like quite stressful because a lot of the time they yeah. want to make a mess. And I think as you get older and older, you just want to live in kind of quite a kind of clean and organised space. And all they want to do is do the opposite. They just, you know, their idea of play is turning up everything upside down, which is why I think, you know, what you're saying is good because you're giving them something to focus on so they don't just go around the house pulling drawers out everywhere. But um, I, I do get quite stressed when they want to play with Play-Doh or kinetic sand and things I like that. I think that you can, you can tell who, which of your friends and family members secretly hate you when it comes to birthdays and Christmas and they buy you kinetic sand. <laughs> <laughs> or Play-Doh, or actually, Daisy, I've got a bone to pick with you about water beads. I think it was, I think it was during the pandemic. You recommended water beads. I went on to your Amazon shop. I got myself a little thing of them, and oh my giddy ants! Like never again. <laughs> they go everywhere. They go everywhere. They bow, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, water beads bow, and they go great. I tend to right, and this is where again we are taught this stuff. So. I think people think play, Play-Doh, I'll get out the whole thing of Play-Doh, all the colours, we'll get out that that set somebody bought us for Christmas and we'll get out all the different cutters and shapes and da-da-da, we'll get it all out and put it out on the table we're going to have hours of fun. <laughs> Never happens. And this is what we're not told at all. You need one pot of Play-Doh. What? Two utensils and a tray. Seriously? That's what you need. That's what you need. Don't get out all the stuff. Get out one pot of Play-Doh, one colour. The kids don't care. Two utensils. And these can be kitchen utensils. You can get a child's knife, you know, those little rounded end yeah. ones, and a potato masher and a tray. And that's all. You, that's play. And if they do then do it for five minutes, you can put that away in five minutes. And if they do it for longer, bonus. And I can guarantee you 80% of the time they will do it for longer than five minutes. Because that's all they need. Kinetic sand, same thing. You don't need to get out all your kinetic sand. You need to get out a handful of it and a couple of characters. And their imagination will do the rest. We do not need to get out every single utensil. We don't need to buy the sets with all the things. They are obviously great fun and sometimes you can do that. But we don't need, if you haven't got long and you don't want, you haven't, you're on a day where you don't need to tidy up, get out a handful. And it's the same with the water beads. So I would say, I, I do them as part of potion making. So I'd have a shot glass of water beads, a shot glass of, not a glass, but you know, this equivalent plasticky pot type size as a flower, water and vinegar, say something like that. And that's what we would use, three or four, not the whole tub of water beads. Yeah. <laughs> like, <just> on the bar. <laughs> I feel like that's a game changing piece of advice. It's definitely a game. I also like, I've, I, I've been secretly waging a war against Play-Doh in that, we do we have always got like the whole set out and all like you know the accessories and everything else and like our dining room table just ends up an absolute mess and all those little bits and my secret of war my secret kind of like fight with play-doh is that 
once my kids have got bored, which is like, yeah, three minutes later, I take the hoover and any little bit of Play-Doh, rather than kind of like bunching it all back together with the big bits of Play-Doh, just go around hoovering it all up. That doesn't it clog up the rainbow? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sooner or later, there's going to be none left, then I will be happy. <laughs> I know, because if you get it all out, you just end up really stressed that they're going to like mix it together and then make like brown play. Brown. Uh, yeah. Horrible colour. It's always brown. Yeah. Yeah. So my advice is start with brown. So for Christmas, <laughs> we sometimes will make like a like a gingerbread play doh. I just make it up and it's a ball this big. It's brown. It smells smells nice though. It smells like Christmassy, cinnamon and ginger. And that's all we will have to play with for the next two months. Just that one ball. And then various Christmassy things I might put in it. So you get out some of the beads off, you know, the beads off the tree. They'll imprint them, they'll tie them, they'll do things with them, let them cut them up, put them into the Play-Doh. That's your play. You don't need anything else because then, like you say, Alison, when it comes to clearing it up, it can all just be gathered into that one ball and put back in that Tupperware. You do not need to worry about the cleanup and that's what's the most important thing. Nobody's teaching us this as parents. There's no, there isn't a classes for this and it would be great if there were because this kind of stuff could save us all a lot of stress and upset. Yeah, definitely. And happier children as well. Um, So just finally, do you have any top tips for us in creating a nice, calm play space in general? Like whether that's your living room or, you know, they have a playroom. Is it all about storage? Yeah. (laughs) It's all about storage, but before storage, it's about categories. So... The best thing you can do for yourself and your children is to categorise your toys. And you can put them into any types of categories you like um, and it will change as they get older and as their play changes. So I remember when Ewan was 18 months, we had the toy box and it was, you know, one box of toys. As you got bigger and older and you get more presents and stuff, then we had like small world people. You had like small world happy land and little wooden sensory little figures and things like that and then you'd have like vehicles so all the vehicles would be in one and gradually gradually you know then you'd have duplo would be one and then i'd have like a basket eventually we had like a basket of like magnetics and connectors so things that were magnetized and connected together and if you can categorize them and find a home for them where they all fit that makes it so much easier for you and your child because if you say to your child right let's tidy up all of the little people go in here, then they can they can compute that. Yeah. You you do little people, mummy's going to do Duplo. And then you can easily put the things back where they belong. So it's just about having categories that you know, and you can write labels or you can just have it in your head. I tended to just have it in my head because I changed it so often. Um, and it just makes life easier for you. There are going to be days where every category is out and mixed up and you're going to think, oh my God. But, the advantage is that at some point when you have the time and the energy, you can put them all back because you know they have a home and that does make life easier. Those big all storage toy boxes of all the toys is a nightmare for you and your child because your child can't access play if they don't know what they're getting at. If they just open a toy box and they see a jumbled up mixture of toy phones and toy food and, and some Lego and some, there's no vision for them to say, I'm going to do build something. Yeah. They can't do that. Whereas if you have the Duplo, and I, I was students now, we've got a basket of Duplo, I'll just tip it onto the kitchen floor and then they build because it's all together. They know what that means. 
And then, like we do, they put it all back in again when they're finished later. But they might have gone around going out for a few different things. And there will be mess and carnage everywhere. And that's fine. But it's, it's you know, let's try and reframe it as evidence of play. It's not our house is a mess. It's evidence like that we that. have been a really good parent today. And we have played with them. And we've let them play. And they live here too, actually. So I remember once my husband saying to me, there's marker pen on the fridge. And I turned to him and I said, yeah, isn't that good? I was like, it means they've been drawing. It means they've been busy. It means I've been keeping them going, doing stuff all day. And they live here in our house. And he was like, I never thought about it like that. <laughs> I was like, you know, when, you know when you've had a really good party and then like your recycling boxes are like filled with like bottles and cans <laughs> and you feel a bit guilty. You're like, oh, well, you know, that's not great. But no, evidence of play. I like it. <laughs> evidence of play shows that you've done a really good job actually because you've let your children explore and learn and develop and grow and all of those things are ticking off development things in there all the time you're building up every single little box it doesn't matter what ability your child is or what they are on some you know arbitrary checklist every little bit of play or reading or talking that you do to them is building up and Mm -hmm. developing them okay at their own level at their own progress rate and all of that evidence of play just shows that that's what they've been doing today i'm so getting a neon sign saying this mess is evidence of play (laughs) yeah i will yeah (laughs) it's gotta happen but wouldn't that just be so much better than showing you know a perfect tidy kitchen on instagram if people actually were like well here's today here's my evidence of play actually because if we saw that regularly, we'd understand that we're all in our houses doing the same thing thinking oh it's not perfect but actually Whose is, you know, I, I've yet to find a day when there is not piles on my stairs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a trip hazard, but we're all there. We're all there with you. Um, <laughs> Daisy, thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like I've got so much out of it. I'm sure Jenna has. Oh, um, yeah, hugely. I'm sure a lot of twin parents listening will be very grateful for your wise words. Um, remind us where we can find you on social media and um, about all your wonderful books. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having you. And just to say to all the twin parents, you are doing a fantastic, hard job. So well done to you. You can find me on Instagram at 5minutemum. The five is the word five, not the number. Uh, my website is 5minutemum.com and everything can be linked. Brilliant. I'm going straight to your Amazon list as well. <laughs> Get those trays. Thanks, Davey. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs>